A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Match Ball. So never mind 30 years, the Matchball 30 is brought to you with somebody with 85 years of legal excellence. That's Levi Solicitors. There's 10% off your legal fees if you go through us, which is levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Hello, I'm Dan Moylan. With me is Michael Normanton. Hello. So is Moscow White. Daniel Chapman. Hello. The Matchball 30 is our journey game by game on the 30th anniversary of each match from Leeds United getting promoted in 1990 to lifting the league title two years later in 1992 and Merry Christmas to you hope you had a lovely day and you haven't overdone it completely and Santa was very kind to you and brought you everything you wanted yesterday today he's going to bring Chelsea to Ellen Road how do we feel about that a bit concerned about the conditions seems a bit nippy out a bit windy a bit wet it's the perfect day to get out of the house and go and stand on the low fields uncovered it's the biggest crowd of the season though you can you can't say that the boxing day is not an attractive fixture just shy of 31,000 in attendance today, we will discover. And Chelsea in very good form, but then so are we. They have seven straight wins in the League and Cup, but we're not doing too badly either because we're unbeaten in nine with six wins in that period. Do you reckon if this game looked like this today, it would make it through the uh, the fixture sensors? Would they call it off? So you can't play under these conditions. Or has science improved sufficiently now that games like this would never happen in 2020? I think there's a bit more care goes into the pitches these days, isn't there? And people have thought about drainage rather than just going, of course it's wet, it's raining, it's going to be like this. Just play with it. I mean, the second half in particular, we'll get onto the game in a minute, but the first half is obviously very difficult conditions. But then when the second half starts and you can see that there's essentially about a dozen puddles across the middle of the pitch that you can't play football through whatsoever, probably would be called off. If As a more modern reference point, if people remember the Histon game, this is a lot worse. And this is the kind of game that used to drive Howard Wilkinson absolutely mad because at this time, Elland Road is not owned by Leeds United. It's owned by Leeds City Council and we share it with Hunslet Rugby League Club. So it's not only football matches that get played on this pitch, but rugby league matches as well. And to see it in, in this condition is that it's not, ex- it's not what Howard Wilkinson bought Gary McAllister for. Let's put it that way. And he, he used to, hates the precedence that rugby matches used to get at Elland Road and then um, seeing the pitch in this condition sent him around the bend. On the plus side, it being such a dreadful day does mean that the Chelsea fans who came all got absolutely soaked and sent home miserable, which is a good thing. They did also discover, not the Chelsea fans discovered, but um, the front of the south stand that doesn't quite cover the front rows of the new family stand did, however, ensure a certain Niagara of water right onto the um, the first few rows of children who'd come for their Christmas treat to see Leeds against Chelsea. But they saw an excellent goal at the end of the game. I mean, hot off the uh, the final whistle, all 
anybody can be talking about is that goal at the end. My word. Yes, we will get to that. One of your favourites, Moscow, I dare say. The game is not a good one, though, is it, due to the conditions? I mean, you mentioned Wilco didn't buy Gary McAllister for games like this, for terrible conditions like this. It's the equivalent of getting a Rolls-Royce, isn't it, and taking it off-roading. It's wet, it's soggy, it's swirling. I mean, if you've ever been to Allen Road, you'll know there's a swirling wind whips in from that southwest corner and just circles around the place and makes everything about 10 degrees colder than it needs to be. But on the pitch, not the best. Weirdly, the pitch is obviously in the best state at the start of the game and it's the worst bit of it. The first half an hour, basically it just seems to be long balls and offsides and there's a slight diversion of seeing Gordon Jury being upset. But that's about all the entertainment you can take from it. Gary McAllister pretty much doesn't touch the ball for the first uh, 10 minutes. He's just nowhere to be seen. And the, the two players who are most involved are pretty much John Lukic and Dave Besson. We can run through the two team lineups, but they're, they're all pretty much irrelevant while uh, those two are just kicking the balls to each other, getting them caught in the wind and then catch it at the other end. Right, push up, kick, catch, push up, <laughs> kick, catch. There is a particular low point in that first half, isn't there, where it does genuinely go from Bessent to a head to Lukic, Lukic straight to Bessent, then Bessent back header Lukic. And that is, a, a gen- we're not exaggerating here, that is what happens for two or three minutes of this game. It's like that famous clip of the of the rugby union that happened recently. Was it England against somebody else where they're just booting it to each other over and over and over again? It had that kind of vibe to it. The, the, the teams on this uh, on this particular Boxing Day, then, well, the major change for Leeds is that Glyn Snodding comes in at left back for Peter Haddock, you'll remember. That's not the major change. It's not the major change. What would you say is the major change? The bench. We'll get to it in a minute. Just let's let's build up to this one because it's so significant that we don't want to you know we don't want to go too early on this. So John Lukic in goal, Mel Sterland and Glyn Snodden, your full backs, the two Chris's Fairclough and White at centre half. Across midfield, your famous four, uh Strachan, McAllister, Speed and Batty. And up front, the two that have bedded into a really good partnership actually in recent weeks that have seen us go on this good run, Carl Schott and Lee Chapman. And the bench, we have John Pearson up there for height and presence and Oh, I mentioned Rolls-Royces earlier on in reference to Gary McAllister. Maybe I should have saved it. Maybe I should call this man a Ferrari. Maybe it's Sir Michael Whitlow. Back. It's been a long time coming. Three months out with a blood clot behind his brain. And all he's had is uh, is one reserve game after the all-clear from the neurologist who inspected his incredible head. But uh, John Kay basically smashing Peter Haddock's legs means there's... Uh, there's not a lot of options, so uh, Whitlow has to be the hero. Although Jim Beglin was back in the squad for this as well. So we are a club with about 17 left-backs, all of them broken. But uh, good to see Wits back. That Chelsea lineup, some real bastards in there. I think one gem who we should keep an eye on, Dave Besson in goal. We've got Gareth Hall, Tony DiRigo playing at left-back, Andy Townsend, Jason Condy, Erland Johnson, Graham Lassau, Graham Stewart. Lassau. That's what John Helm calls him throughout. If that's what John Helm wants to call him, then John Helm can call him Graham Le Saw. I'm fine with Which that. Which is French for uh, the Saw. Correct. Um, Graham Stewart, Kerry Dixon, Gordon Jury, whole jukebox there, and Dennis Wise completing the lineup. What a horrible team. Tony Dorigo <laughs> apart, but even um, at this point, Tony has got his, uh, his curly mullet sort of tickling his shoulders, and so there's an um, unexpected chance of Jippo at him from the low fields that I noticed, which is uh, 
Sorry, Tony. Soon changed. <laughs> Sorry. Soon changed when he uh, he moved north and got a proper haircut. But the the, the presence of um, Dave Besson and Dennis Wise in this team tells you a lot about it. Both ex Wimbledon, and it's got that real vibe about it. Andy Townsend is he reinvented himself later as sort of a, a classy midfielder, but no, just just a horrible, horrible team. So let's talk through the, the form and shape of this game or shapelessness of it as it was. How was that first half? Terrible. Bloody awful. Nothing happens for half an hour. Kerry Dixon has a little bit of a chance, but Lukic saves it. And it feels just like not a lot is going to happen. It feels like that's probably going to be about as good as it gets. And then maybe taking advantage of the fact that the pitch is useless, we just bypass it. What was it about Gordon Jury that you didn't like? Um, well, there's a couple of things that he's... It's just a complete failure from him is this game because he's trying his best to annoy Chris White, but he's only annoying himself. And he's also pretty useless with almost everything he does. But he's got that he's got that face about him that suggests he thinks he's doing a great job. He was always an unusual player, Gordon Jury, because he kept moving around for like big money and then just failing. That was kind of the the theme of it. No one who uh, who signed him was ever particularly pleased to have him. I remember him failing at Spurs was where I first remember, but this is obviously predates that. So it's good to know that he was useless for a number of years. It may be my memory tricking me here, but I seem to remember that Gordon Jury was an early diver as well, you know, back before diving was really a thing in football. Anyway, uh, it was a pretty turgid first half, but it sprang into life just before half time from a corner. And uh, we're at the northeast corner, Strachan on corner duties, and he's drilling it to the near post. It's games like this, I think, where it was a good job that we are well drilled at set pieces because trying to carve anything out of the actual game is fairly impossible. So to have it in our armoury that we can just go and say, right, well, there's no passing through midfield today, which we've been doing in recent weeks. Strachan and McAllister can't do a single thing on this pitch, but we can still play it to Mel Sterland, who can hit it on the volley and score a goal. It's a good one as well. Mel Sterland got a lot of uh, goals for a right back and not only because he took the free kicks, but because he was kind of the, the dangerous player at corners that would not necessarily be marked. You'd look at Lee Chapman and Chris White and you'd have to keep an eye on Kyle Shaw or especially John Pearson if he was playing because it'd all be they'd all have height and goal scoring uh, threat. And then it would be Sterling who scores the goal. And he did take this really well. I mean, I can think back to these days of seeing Strachan on corners and my perpetual frustration with him hitting them short, hitting the first man, that sort of stuff. And you see this at first glance and suspect maybe he has mishit it. But I reckon, yeah, you're right, Michael, straight off the training ground this one. He drills it to 12 yards out, so you're sort of parallel with the near post. But it's a good take from Sterling. He kind of turns it in on the half volley, doesn't he? And that makes it two and two for him. So absolute credit to him. And that's just before half time, meaning that uh, we're ready for the, the weather to devolve even further during the break and come out. Score another one. What's pretty funny about this is that uh, the ball ends up in almost exactly the same spot for this to be put in the net at the opposite end of the stadium, uh, at the south stand end this time. But it's a free kick from out wide on the the far touchline near the low fields from from Strack, isn't it? And he pumps it over towards penalty spot distance. And Chapman, if ever you had to show somebody a picture of Lee Chapman and a a moving encyclopedia of what he did, this was it. This was superb. What a header! He makes it look very easy, but I mean, he's He's quite far out, isn't he, when he heads it? It's a good 12 yards from goal, but it just, the angle of 
the cross and the angle he heads it at just loops it up and over Besson in a way that means it's it's completely unsavable. Strong neck. That's chappy. Don't know strong. what else to say about it. It's just it's a, it's a big strong header and um we're killing the game, really. Chelsea can uh, have come all this way and they think they might be any good at all. But just a couple of set pieces either side of half time and it doesn't matter what the weather's like, we're winning. The beautiful thing is that obviously scoring just before half time completely changes the dynamic in the dressing room at half time. But then conceding one straight after half time also chucks that discussion straight out the window again. So I enjoyed this. A great deal of fun when you do that. And then, well, it's nearly game over not long after that, isn't it? And this is a this is a classic. Yeah, Chapman wins the flick on and it goes through to Shut, who then takes advantage of the fact the ball can't roll anywhere because it's in a puddle. Then there's a his shot say, but then there's a massive defensive mix up and it ends up a pass back gets intercepted by Chapman who's sliding in from about two hundred yards away. Pass back is maybe um it's Andy Townsend that, that does it and it's it's hard to sort of understand what he's trying to do. Whatever it is though, credit to Lee Chapman for reading it so well because um Andy Townsend kind of slides backwards towards his own goal as if he's going to just loft it into Dave Besson's hands. And you'd think, you know, nine times out of ten that's going to work. And it probably was going to work if it wasn't for the pitch meant that the ball just was never going to get there. And it's Chapman. I mean, they say, you know, one of the, the things a striker has to do is just if something doesn't work, do it again. And you wonder how many times in his career Chapman's just run towards the goalkeeper when he's spotted somebody's about to do a, a back pass. So when the ball gets um, stuck in the wall, so there is Chapman sliding on his backside through the six-yard box to finish and then keep on sliding past the post, which is quite entertaining. If you want to see whatever he is, like 16 stone of uh, six-foot-four Lee Chapman sliding towards the south stand on his back. It's nice as well how when it goes in, Dave Besson's there waiting for the back pass and the ball's in the net, Chapman's slid off celebrating and Bessant still hasn't moved. He still looks like he's waiting to receive the ball. Like maybe it'll just be in his hands if he just stays, holds that position just for a little bit longer. He's like a quarterback waiting for the ball to be snapped back to him, isn't it? It just never comes. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. 
You'd think the game was out of sight by this point, but Chelsea do actually pull one back. And to be fair to them, this is a really well-taken goal. But on the flip side of that, it's Chelsea, so bollocks. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. It's a rubbish goal. Pathetic. Fluky build-up. Shit header. Very lucky it goes in. We do let them back into it a little bit. I wonder if it's um, the difficulties of defending a 3-0 lead sort of mentally on a a day like this when really at 3-0 the ref should have just looked at the conditions and said, just call it. Leeds, you can have the points. Everybody, let's go and have a bath. But instead you have to put up with uh, Kerry Dixon and Gordon Jury coming at you again and again. And um, and Graham Lesseur, as as John Helm insists on calling him, getting into... uh, Moderate fisticuffs with um, Mel Sterland in particular. There's a, there's a tackle towards the end of the, the first half that um, you can always tell this is the period of football still when there's, there's kind of those um, those cliched rules of combat that are hung over from the 60s and 70s where if a player gets straight back up and goes to the player who's just tackled him to have a go at him, then you know that it's been something kind of nasty and that, is kind of transgressing the, uh, the the gentlemanly games in which, you know, it's absolutely fine to break somebody's leg, but you can't be sneaky about it. And it's that Sterling kind of turns straight around to Lissour and it's uh, is not having it and they end up having a, a bit of an argument that the referee settles down. Sterling gets his revenge later. And, you know, all that stuff's just kind of, it just becomes quite tedious, this match. 3-0 up, just let us, let us go home. I think it's in the first half, John Helm points out that um, Lasso and Batty are having a bit of a go at each other as well, which, given they'd later end up having a fight on the pitch as teammates, it's quite a nice... Maybe it was bad blood from this game all those years later. I don't know if Batty necessarily remembers from one game to the the <laughs> next. Just try to talk to him about that 4-1 game against Chelsea. You go, did I play? Well, Probably apologising to Jason Wilcox in the dressing room after he's just twatted Graham Lasso. And when it comes to bastards, one of the uh, the arch bastards in Leeds United's uh, fairly recent history, anyway, has a chance to pull another one back and make things a bit more uncomfortable on seventy five minutes. But Dennis Wise sends it over the bar. He's quite quiet in this game, fortunately, Dennis Wise. And uh, at the other end of things, Tony Dorigo, who obviously once he put this uh, this working for Ken Bates nonsense behind him, became a, an artist of extreme beauty. Went off at half-time, injured, and he hadn't really done anything. Well, actually, what he'd done in the first half was basically be forced back by Mel Sterland. He just kept scampering, hammering the down the right wing towards him so he couldn't really overlap and be... A, it wasn't a, a day for sort of silky overlapping from Dorigo. It was all about the um, Mel Sterland hoofing it, so Dorigo got out of there. John Helm still manages to get in the... Australian stereotype reference there, doesn't he? So it's very different Christmas to the one he'd be having in Australia, of course. Uh, barbecue on the beach. <laughs> That's exactly what they do, John. Uh, well, you, you Moscow there, you're saying it was all about Mel Still and hoofing it. No, it wasn't. It was all about this lad. A left back who comes off the bench like a racing car going into turbo. Whitlock comes off the bench with 10 minutes to go and it just takes him, what, the mere, a mere nine minutes or so just to wind himself up for this one and an absolute scorcher. It really genuinely was. A sensational goal. Uh, there's, there's like a floated Lee Chapman cross of all things from the left hand side. Uh, rolls reverse because it's sent over towards. Is it Gary McAllister? I think on the on the edge of the area who just knocks it Correct. down. Yeah, I mean that's the first beautiful thing about it is seeing. Uh, it's always good to see Lee Chapman on the left wing, <laughs> controlling the ball and uh, taking a man on. Which um, 
he he sort of seems to think about it and then decides, I think I'll just float the ball into the middle. I, I think maybe calling it a cross is um, overdoing it. It's sort of a hoof from the wing uh, to the edge of the penalty area, but finds McAllister and yeah, McAllister lays it off and leads are kind of just, you know, playing the clock down at this point, but not Mike Whitlow comes tearing onto it left footed drive from what is it? 30 yards 40. straight past, <laughs> straight past Dave Besson, who don't forget he's the, uh, the first goalkeeper to save a penalty in a FA cup final has um, been in England squads, maybe is capped at this point. So and tall as well. So there's a lot of him to get the ball past. He isn't getting anywhere near this. It's in his net before he's even dived. It's a beautiful thing. In the conditions as well, that's not put Whitlow off one bit. He's taken a game that was just tawdry, rain-soaked, miserable. Three points, That's at the end of it, you would be saying, well, we got the win and it's lead scoring from two set pieces and, you know, a, a sort of a comical defending from Andy Townsend to give them the third here. This is what everybody spent their boxing days talking about. This is why every child went home that night and whatever they'd been given on Christmas Day, they threw it in the bin because they'd seen and been given something better by Mickey Santa Claus Whitlow. Must be said, this the quality in this goal and the the nonchalance of it all. It's out of place in this game, isn't it? This should be on a, a sun drenched pitch of the the nineteen seventies. It should be Brazil in Mexico or something scoring a goal like this. It's just the way McAllister's like, go on then, you have it. You're off the bench. Let's give you one. Yeah, just bang it in the top corner. Lovely stuff. There was talk at the time because Mike Whitlow was still quite a, a young man. I think he was only about twenty two at this point. He was sort of similar age to Speed and Batty. And uh, it was when Jack Charlton was finding everybody had a an Irish grandparent. The um, the manager of Brazil was checking into Mike Whitlow's uh, family tree to see if there were uh, anybody there with a Brazilian passport that could possibly have qualified him for them. But um, sadly, they couldn't uh, they couldn't arrange it for for him to turn out for Brazil. So instead, Leeds Leeds United had the benefit of this magical player. Well, the ball was sailing into the roof of the net, but he's keeping his feet firmly on the ground because everyone's playing dead well at the minute. And he says he doesn't expect to be at the start uh, in the starting lineup just yet. All the hard work had been done, he said here. And this one, I think he was just there to put the uh, the cherry on the icing on the cake. Yeah, he says, when I came on, there were only 10 minutes left. We were leading 3-1 and all the hard work had been done. That's good of him. Paying tribute to the uh, the people who who toiled for 89 minutes to set up a moment that obliterated everything else that they'd done. In our eyes, obviously, Mike didn't want us to forget the efforts of his supporting cast. And here's a glimpse into the future at Leeds United. The cursed number three shirt is saying that he's not superstitious. If he can force his way back into the team, he's not going to be worried about wearing the number three shirt because the injuries, they're they're just a coincidence. Oh, Mike, bless your naivety. It has been a bad season for them. I mean, uh, I think everybody who has turned out at left-back has been injured so far. So it started with... I think we started with Snowden at Everton, and since then, Whitlow had his blood clots, Haddock has had his legs smashed, Jim Beglin is trying to come back from the injuries. I mean, he's never he's never properly recovered from having his leg broken in a, a Merseyside derby when he played for Liverpool, which was one of the worst tackles of the 
1980s. Um, yeah, and then had a, came back in and that happened at Sunderland. So now Snowden's starting, but it feels like it's a matter of time before either he or Whitlow as the two fit left-backs. It, I mean, they, they need to just be careful. That's all I'm saying. And a talent like Whitlow's needs wrapping in cotton wool in particular. I think he can start a left back, but I can see him moving to left midfield and even playing as a striker. Like kind of, a, he was very much the Gareth Bale of his day, wasn't he? Well, he did come on for Gary Speed on this one. He was playing left wing in front of um, Snodin, and I have noticed in this game, and uh, I think the Everton one before Speed's not quite been fully involved, and it was telling in the Everton match when Trevor Francis was talking about how great our midfield currently is. He was saying. Gary McAllister, Gordon Strachan, David Batty, and not mentioning Gary Speed whatsoever. And it's kind of because he was playing a little bit further forward, but also I think um, this is his, uh, whereas David Batty's had like the similar age, but Batty's had pretty much two full seasons of first team football already and also just has the kind of personality where he does not give a shit. Speed seems to be, um, uh, he only had, I think eight starts in Division Two in the promotion season has come straight into the the first division, straight into the the Welsh side, and it, it kind of looks like it's taken it out of him a little bit. So Whitlow, not a bad option to uh, to play in Speed's place, and it could be we'll build a a, a different midfield of um, David Batty, Gordon Strachan, and Gary McAllister, and Mike Whitlow. It tells you a story of this game, though, that Chris White was named man of the match in the Yorkshire Evening Post. But it didn't matter anyway, because we're at the halfway point of the season. We are up to fourth, and there's talk of Europe. We'll come to the table and the results in a minute, but first, Wilco has thoughts on Europe. I'd rather go into Europe than to Sunderland. I think it's a joke. He's telling a joke. He'd rather go to Europe than to Sunderland. It's a good joke. He won't be drawn on it. He says he's not dodging the issue. But um, he's worried about January when we have a lot of um, games, uh, cup games as well. He says, I think uh, January can be one of the real tests of character for a team. And until that is really tested, you're taking a chance predicting anything. So wait and see. He's he's putting a lot of uh, emphasis and has been for a while on the end of January is when we'll know whether this is a good team or not. Well, we're unbeaten in 13 matches now in all competitions. Well, doesn't mean we're any good though. What about our character? Hmm? Got to wait and see. The other results from this day then. Liverpool are top of the tree. They drew 1-1 at QPR. Arsenal 3-0 against Derby. Palace, who are just above us, beat Sunderland two goals to one. And just beneath us in the table, we have Coventry 2, Spurs 0. So that's quite a handy little result for us, particularly the Spurs one, because it means Liverpool, after 19 games, have 45 points. Then we have Arsenal on 43, Crystal Palace 39, Leeds on 36, Spurs on 33, and the two Manchester clubs, United and City, 32 and 29 before we stretch down to mid-table and a load of piffling nonsense. Not interested. That Spurs result makes it even more annoying that Imre Varadi's goal was ruled out at Ellen Road against them for nothing. We could have drawn that and it could have changed things. Now they're going losing to Coventry. Never mind. So time to go home and eat the leftover turkey and all the Christmas dinner trimmings and all that stuff. Get it down your neck quickly because we are back here at Ellen Road in just three days' time when we face Wimbledon at home once again in the top flight with Liverpool and Anfield on the horizon on New Year's Day in 1991. We'll speak to you then. The Match Ball. (laughs) 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.